You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. Little bit of a scratchy throat here. Hope that's okay. Uh, just in our introduction, a little bit. Traveled all over the place in the month of October. Six media days down in Atlanta. Tape a bunch of previews that you're going to see on our March Madness social media platforms. Previewing every conference. Our Player of the Year, All Americans, went from the Elite Eight to the Final Four to the National Champion. I want to give it away. Also, on NCAA.com and our March Madness social media platforms, you'll have my first bracket, something we're going to be doing new uh, this season. You'll be able to find our bracket on March Madness throughout the course of the season, so you'll be able to see that, and you can, you know, I I welcome the feedback because I know it will be plentiful (laughs) from the beginning of the season on. Um, So, this podcast Two treats for you. Duke Hall of Famer Mike Krzyzewski sat down with him at ACC Media Day last week in Charlotte and then had more of an extended interview with Virginia head coach Tony Bennett. Uh, Same scenario at ACC Media Day. Uh, First of all, at the ACC, um, and if you were following, I did our power rankings. Here's how I did it to start the season, then I'm going to do a little addendum here. So I had Duke... Carolina, Virginia, Syracuse, Florida State, Clemson, Virginia Tech, pause. Those seven, I think, are going to be locks for the NCAA tournament. Then your bubble, Miami, NC State, Notre Dame, maybe Louisville, BC, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, Pitt. Now, that top three of Duke, North Carolina, and Virginia, I think could finish in any order. And I think Virginia... Could not only win the ACC again, regular season and tournament, but also win the national championship. The addition of Braxton Key, and we're going to talk to Tony Bennett about that, transfer from Alabama, the health of DeAndre Hunter out on the court again, the drive from Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy really puts in perspective that this Virginia team, I think, has what it takes to win the league, and the national championship. The issue with Duke, and I asked Coach K about this um, in general, was about, you know, do they have the veteran? I specifically asked him about Marcus Bolden, who's in the starting lineup. He's the one older guy. So would he end up being, um, you know, that guy that's going to be the leader? Because Kentucky has that. And we talked last week to John Calipari about that. Duke does not. Carolina 
has veteran guys like Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams and Luke May, of course, an All-American. In the Big East, I was there on Thursday. Here's how I broke it down. Villanova, Marquette, Butler, Providence, St. John's, Georgetown. Stop. I think those six will get in, although Georgetown's going to be a bubble. Xavier on the cusp. Seton Hall, Creighton, and DePaul. St. John's should be in the NCAA tournament. Mustafa Heron, eligible from Auburn. Shamari Pons is the preseason Big East Player of the Year. All the pieces are there for the Red Storm to get in the tournament. They really should be in the tournament. The Butler Providence, I think they could finish in any order. I feel good about Villanova Marquette as the top two. So, and, and let me tell you something. The Big East is going to be like the Big 12 last year. Nine to ten, I'd say at least eight, maybe nine of those teams will feel like they have a chance to be in the NCAA tournament late February. Last season in the Big 12, nine of the ten in February, the only one Iowa State, were right there to maybe get in. So it's going to be a very balanced league. I think Villanova could still win the national championship out of this league. And whoever wins is going to definitely take on some water and some losses. So coming up here, just a little preview. Next week's our last podcast before the start of the season, only by a day, because it starts that night, Tuesday night. And then the beginning of every podcast, we're going to go over my Power 36, the headlines from the week, and then we're going to dive into some interviews. A lot of them are going to be on site because I'm going to be traveling around a lot. The one other major news item that occurred since we last spoke, Jonte Porter from Missouri, out for the year with a knee injury. Devastating. Came back to play in Missouri, and he was expected to be an SEC Player of the Year candidate. Brother goes, Michael Porter was injured almost all last year. Came back for a brief, you know, moment. And he goes to the NBA draft. Jonte Porter flirts with it, comes back, and he gets hurt in a scrimmage. Devastating for him and for Missouri. Conzo Martin at SEC Media Day told me that he was going to be unstoppable. So I just feel for him. And, um, you know, hopefully he comes back. I don't know if he'll come back to college basketball, but hopefully he heals and can continue his career. And I just want to say one other thing, even though obviously this is a college basketball podcast, but I would be remiss because I'm not alone in all our hearts breaking for what occurred over the weekend in Pittsburgh. And I do think that there are times when you have to acknowledge things that have nothing to do with sports on a sports podcast. And, um, you know, I just hope that what we see in the way communities come together, the way a team comes together, just wish that we could have that in the real world. So obviously my condolences go out to the 11 who lost their lives at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. And when we come back, we'll shift to our interviews. As always, I really appreciate you listening. And uh, we're going to have a good season. We're going to have fun with this.
I'm going to bring you a lot of good interviews, a lot of discussion. I want to hear from all of you. Definitely tweet at me at the Andy Katz. Uh, it's going to be a good run. So once again, I really appreciate everyone taking the time to listen. And uh, we'll be back in a moment with Duke Hall of Fame head coach Mike Shashevsky. All right, this is for uh, March Madness 365 here at ACC Media Day with the Hall of Famer head coach Mike Shashevsky. Uh, Mike, you just had your first exhibition game. You're starting four freshmen. That's not abnormal for you. Uh, what are your first impressions uh, now seeing this team on the court after, I know you took them in the summer, but now when things are starting to count? Yeah, well, we had three guys missing in the summer. Reddish, Trey Jones, and then Alex O'Connell got hurt in the first three minutes of our first game. So to see them all on the court at one time you know, was kind of very exciting. The other thing is, in practice, you play against each other. So when you sub, you sub a guy who's been playing a lot against you. You just change shirts. So you learn more when you play a game. And I thought in the second half, we hit on some combinations where uh, uh, Reddish and RJ, Cam and, and RJ were more at the point, although we were more of a positionless offense when Trey was out of the game. And boy, we looked big and they looked good there. And so, it, you know, we're finding, we're going to keep finding out more about our team. That for five of our 12 guys, that was their first college game, you know, and people don't realize that they're, when you have so many freshmen playing prominent roles, it's their first. And so they have to get over the nervousness or the excitement of it being the first time. How will Zion Williamson impact the game? In every way. You know, he is a complete basketball player. I know coming out of high school, people were so amazed with his dunking. But uh, he's a really good basketball player. He's smart. He can handle. He has guard skills. He's an amazing athlete. And his, his ability to fluidly move in the air, on the court, you know, on the ground. He's a beautiful athlete to watch. And one of our best passers. Just an easy guy to play with. I could go down the line. R.J. Barrett, same question. R.J.'s, you know, I think ahead... In the competitive level, because of uh, you know playing for Canada, uh, Montford, he's always played up, and uh, he's like a veteran already. And again, positionless, he can he can play any any position, and is as good a competitor I think as there is. And how will Cam and Trey affect the game? Well, Cam, I think, is a beautiful athlete. He's our best shooter. Uh, a lot of people in watching him in AAU said, well, he didn't play fast enough or strong enough or maybe too casual, although he's very talented. I wonder what he'll do with his potential. He's been nothing like that. You know, he's been a hard worker. You know, he wants to be really good, and he can shoot the heck out of the ball. And at 6'8", we can use him in a number of different positions. Trey Jones is the point guard that everyone wants a point guard like that where he doesn't the ball doesn't stick he's a pass first guy and he he we haven't had this for a while disciplined ball pressure disciplined ball pressure the 
Tommy Amaker, Bobby Hurley, Steve Wojciechowski, Chris Duhon type of ball pressure. Uh, Trey can Trey can do that. In your championship years, you've had you know some sort of veteran leadership. What are the chances Marcus Bolden can be that player for you? Well, I don't know if Bolden can be the leader, but he can. You know, he we need him to be a big guy and a big guy who protects our rim. You know, is efficient inside. And it's a real good defender and rebounder to begin with, and then it adds with scoring. Uh, I'm really pleased, though, with a couple other juniors, and that's uh, Javon Delorier and Jack White. They've really benefited from the Canadian trip and what we did this summer and have elevated the importance of their roles on the team and have fit in. And really, those two guys have provided us some some really good leadership thus far. And lastly, like uh, college basketball has been yearning for this sort of marquee opening. Yeah. And we've got that with Duke and Kentucky, Michigan State and Kansas. But to have Duke, Kentucky as the first game of the season, uh, what do you think the significance of that will be? Well, I hope it doesn't go downhill from there. <laughs> you know, it's great for the sport and it's great for the two schools, you know, to uh, obviously it's November 6th. So it's a long way till the finish line. But uh I love the fact that in college basketball, so many of the outstanding teams play one another and that we're not going to be uh, asked if we're in the tournament, whether you are, you've, you've only lost two games or one or whatever, but you, you know, there's going to be 68 of them and let's play as many, you know, big time games as possible. And certainly, uh, for fans out there, it'll be, at the end of the year, probably the most viewed or one of the two or three most viewed games. So that that's great for college basketball to kick it off. I'm glad we're we're given the honor of of kicking it off in such high fashion. Thanks, and I'll see you in it. All right, thank you. Up next here on March Madness 365, my sit down with Virginia head coach Tony Bennett. Here at Eastern Media Day in Charlotte with Virginia head coach Tony Bennett. Uh, Tony. Season about to start, first week in November, so you've had, you know, a few weeks of practice. When I talk to you, your guys at the end of, you know, sometime in the spring, Kyle and Ty, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, they told me they've never worked as hard as they have this off season. How have you seen that materialize in practice? I've been fortunate over the years to have, um, I think there's a great culture that started from Joe Harris, who played for me, Malcolm Brogdon, and the list goes on of really going to work on your body and your game in the spring, summer, and, and even the fall. So regarding this current team, I think they they work incredibly hard. They're, they're wired that way, Ty and Kyle and the guys are, but I think the motivation of how our season ended was fueled to, to really try to develop their games and improve. So I, I love the work ethic, and I love how hard they've worked. And again, that gets you so far. Now it's got to be connected on the court with everyone else. So with those two guys, how have you seen it in terms of their improvement yeah. now that the season's about to start anew? It's hard to believe for me, but they're now upperclassmen. I feel like I can just remember when they were our recruiting class. That's just how it goes. But they're now in their third year. So I think that that as elder statesmen, there's just a level of maturity. They, they're both better physically. Um, you know, they think they... They've just added little things. There's, a, I hope, a confidence factor and a, a trust in their game that you earn through the long hours and the time, but just that experience and maturity of being a junior. And I think in today's game, 
um, getting a team and your core group of players to become mature and, and stay together is is half the battle. I think sometimes people forget that DeAndre Hunter didn't play in that game against UMBC. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I know you didn't, but I mean, the, outs- the outside world, you guys weren't whole, and he was a pretty important part. He's healthy now. What kind of impact will he have this season? DeAndre, you know, he allowed us that versatility to sometimes play four guards um, or go big. He could play on the perimeter as a, you know, a guard or a three-man, or we could, you know, if you're playing teams that are smaller, he could go to the four. And that's when our our game really opened up last year. I thought that was a turning point at times. We played him as a a four-man or a four-guard lineup. And so I think he's, when you're injured, um, it's humbling. And you you learn a, a level of perseverance and trust that you just can't learn any other way. So I think that served him well. And like you had mentioned about Ty and Kyle, they DeAndre was insane. He went to work on his game, um, his individual work, you know, the body, like most kids do. But it was a very focused work ethic, and it's it's great to have him back. And I don't think he takes things for granted. You talk to any player who's injured, and I think that as hard as it is that time away makes them appreciate the opportunities at hand. Big news last week, Alabama transfer Braxton Key eligible. Uh, what kind of impact can he have now that you can play him? Yeah, I just think versatility um, and depth. He has experience. He played at Alabama for two years, and you know, he's a strong six seven kind of um, like DeAndre in some ways can play some four, some three. Uh, those kinds of things help. So just depth and experience because we have a few guys back who have experience, but there's a lot of unproven players that'll need to play in our rotation and Braxton is one of those that has played in SEC games NCAA tournament games and again no substitute for that and inside I mean that's what I remember Kyle and Ty telling me like you know Jack Salt I mean those guys will be needed and aren't the headline guys but have improved how have how have they again just through working Jack and mommy we're a big team this year and I know that the game is um you know a lot of times trending towards small ball or four or five guards but there is a place for physicality and play on the glass and if you can get uh, second chance points and inside moves and those guys have taken it taken very seriously of getting better in Mamadi Jack and then we'll have some some newer faces to that in um you know some guys that you haven't seen but I really like the work ethic and how they play obviously you've had you know transfers that have left uh, that are going to have major impact in college basketball. And then you're adding one in Braxton from Alabama. I mean, is this just the norm, you know, that, that we're in the world that you've experienced it on one end? And, you know, at Iowa State, George Mason, these guys are going to have major contributions. But now you're getting a guy the same way, you know, from Alabama. It's going to have a major contribution for you. Yeah, the numbers are staggering of transfers. And I wish it weren't that way, but it's become part of the landscape of college basketball. And we've had... Anthony Gill was a terrific transfer that we had uh, that we received from South Carolina, and that worked out great. Um, and then we've had some that it hasn't always worked out great. There are various reasons why guys transfer, and some it's a good situation, some it's not. We've had key guys leave us because perhaps the there's a better opportunity or there are legit reasons or the grass is greener. Um, so we've lost some, we've gained some. Some have worked out, some haven't. Um, it's a... It's an interesting scenario, you know, again, because our program is more you get guys in, you grow them up, you build them. When you pour into guys for a couple years, when they get to those upperclassmen years, that's when you hope that you'll really see the hard work that they've put in, that you've poured in them show up. So it's hard to lose 
lose guys after a couple of years. And same when you gain guys, there's a little bit of an adjustment period, but the experience does help. So what do you attribute to your ability to keep this program consistently lately at such a high level, winning the ACC regular season tournament, despite all the talent that continues to flood through Duke and Carolina, Virginia has been right there to win it. I think it's a number of things. Um, I think our players are better than people realize. We, we are, my staff has done a great job of coaching, developing, and finding, we like to say, diamonds in the rough um, or hidden gems. So that's been part of it. And our guys have embraced who they are. Uh, we don't pretend to be Carolina or Duke or anybody. Just be the best we can be. And, and honestly, I, I've been blessed. <laughs> I'm fortunate. I don't think it's my sound. You know, I'm not this great. Stra- you know, there's certain strategy. I think there's things that I've learned. But you um, sometimes it's just good fortune. And, and by the grace of God, if you choose to believe that, which I do, that I've been blessed to be in good spots. I've, I've tasted great success also taste at failure and uh, I know it's not all the coaches doing or the players there's there's other things working so it's been a great ride it really has it's been a humbling ride but it's been a joy because the players we've gotten I don't want to say they've been overlooked but they've had the right mentality I've got the Rocky poster in my office and that blue collar mentality I think our guys have embraced and will need to continue to be as good as we can you know it was just one game I mean Mm -hmm. you've done everything the right way you've built this championship program you know, but I'm just curious, this offseason, I mean, how much did it bother you because of the just the magnitude of it, you know, the, the history of it? Yeah. The 16-1, yet you know you do things the right way, and you're a winner, and you win at a championship level. Yeah. I, I told our guys, for me, it taught me a couple of things in losing that game. It, it, it sparked a, a fire in me that I want to... I want to compete at a higher level. I want this program to taste a level of success that it never has. That that, And I want to coach better. There's a, a motivation that um, if we can win a national championship at Virginia, I'm so inspired to try to do that in, in being in that situation. But it also taught me something that I think is as important or more important that if we never do, I'm still okay. Because we were praised at the highest level last year after winning – the ACC regular season and the tournament championship, cutting down the nets. People, we were the toast of the town, and it was enjoyable. And then after losing, we were criticized at the highest level, and neither of them really matter. I still love the game. We still have an opportunity to come back and play. And I think knowing that almost frees you up to go after it harder yet because you realize it's about who plays best that game. And um, so it, I think I look at things differently now, actually better because of that experience. And uh, I know we'll be okay, whether, again, we're the most successful team and we win a national championship or we we have a, a tough year. I think if you can address that and look at that, it's a place that's a strong place to be in. And I'm fortunate to have learned that, though Though it was painful and uh, though it's not the way I would have chosen, it's part of our story. And if we use it right, it'll produce something very valuable. Thanks, Tom. Yep. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. Sorry, I'm a little scratchy. Uh, after a long month of travel in the month of October, I will be healthy for the start of the season next week. We will be in Indianapolis for the Champions Classic, Duke versus Kentucky, Michigan State versus Kansas. What a way to tip off college basketball. It's Tuesday night, November 6th in Indianapolis. We'll talk to you right before that on this podcast, but that's what's on tap next week. As always, you can follow our podcast wherever you find the Turner Podcast Network. 
and follow it on all our March Madness social media platforms on NCAA.com. Thanks for listening. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.